Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Velarkis and I'm an expert fertility and pregnancy dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist. And today's episode is something a little bit different. It is a bonus episode answering all your frequently asked questions about my career to date, uh, my journey into becoming a dietitian, what my qualifications were like, and how I ended up in fertility nutrition and running my own virtual practice. So I have kind of made this episode in mind for those who are currently studying nutrition and dietetics at university, uh, those who are thinking about going into nutrition and dietetics, those who are pursuing fertility, dietetics and nutrition, um, or are interested in the business side of things. And I wanted to let you know before we get into the nitty gritty of my journey to date, which I am sometimes honestly just a little shocked that people want to hear about it, to be honest, because it hasn't been very long that I've been a dietitian in the scale of things. But I guess uh, it comes from a different angle that this experience might be valuable for those who are new, newer or new to the industry or thinking about the industry and what it can look like potentially if you work real hard <laughs> in the first few years out. But anyway, what I wanted to say was, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I am rerunning what was our oversold out live fertility and prenatal supplement training event for dietitians. We are super, super excited to be hosting this on Thursday, June 9th, 2022 at 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, that's Sydney time. It's a three-hour live workshop with me talking to you about the absolute nitty-gritty of fertility and prenatal supplements. I'm talking the ingredients, the amounts, the top brands that I use, how I build regimes, how I consult with clients, and I also have some e-guides to give you alongside the three-hour live masterclass experience. So if you want to learn more, if you're ready to invest in your education as a fertility dietitian and pick my brains about all things supplementation, then head on down to the link in the show notes and save your seat for next week's live masterclass. I am so pumped. I cannot wait to see you there. Okay, into the episode. So like I said, I do feel a a small amount of imposter syndrome being, you know, probably, what am I now, five years since I graduated, technically speaking, from my master's degree as a dietitian. And I guess chronicling my career feels very premature as it's not a lot of time that has passed. But I do get a lot of questions from dietitians-to-be and nutritionists and 
other dietitians who are looking to get into fertility nutrition about my story. So I wanted to share it on the podcast so I could have it forevermore. And yeah, I guess document it in this way as well for me to look back on. So let's go back into the past. Let's rewind for a minute and go back to when I realized dietetics and nutrition was for me in the first place. So I was in high school, very academic. I loved school. I was really good at school. Um, And I used to be very shy about saying that uh, because, you know, people often don't really love the uh, people who are genuinely uh, good at school. But I was. I was really good at school. I loved school and I particularly loved science. I was good in some of the more humanity subjects too, like history and English, but I really fell in love with science in my senior years, chemistry and physics especially. Uh, Interestingly, I ended up in biological sciences, but (laughs) I'm very grateful I did chemistry and physics in high school looking back now. So I knew towards the end of my high school years that I was probably going to end up in some kind of science degree at university, but I wasn't really wanting to go down the path of medicine. I I really loved health and I loved the concept of medicine, but I knew that the lifestyle of being a medical practitioner might not be for me. And I felt more strongly about the role of food and nutrition in health. And at the time, I honestly didn't really know what a dietitian was uh, at all. So I took myself off to lots of university open days when I was about 16. I finished high school when I was 17, so a bit younger than everybody else. So I took myself off to lots of university open days when I was 16. And I wanted to just learn about different careers in science. I learned about being a researcher, being an academic. And I went along to one lecture or like talk with the the still the head of the School of Nutrition at Sydney University. And she presented about the combined Bachelor of Science advanced and non-advanced streams and Masters of Nutrition and Dietetics program at the University of Sydney and what the career opportunities look like, what the course course and program look like. And I was like transfixed and also it felt like everything had clicked into place for me. It felt like this is my career. So I walked out of that day being like, I need to change all my like listing priorities for my degree. I need to try to get into this course. And then I had all my science, just straight science degrees um, as a backup. So at the University of Sydney, it is a combined program. So it's three years of undergrad um, in the Bachelor of Science. I took the advanced stream and then a Master's of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is two years. So your total education at university between undergrad and postgrad is five years. So it's a big commitment of time and energy and money uh, because you are at university for a long time and your master's degree is highly specific to your career. So I was very lucky and also because I worked really hard, I shouldn't say it's all down to luck, I worked really hard and I got into the combined program from the get-go, which basically meant I was 
pretty much guaranteed a spot in the master's program. I wouldn't need to reapply for a spot. So I went through university for five years from 2013 to 2015. I was doing my science degree, which I found very intellectually stimulating and challenging. Um, I studied psychology. I studied microbiology, was a real passion of mine, which is a study of bacteria physiology, biochemistry, genetics, molecular biology, maths. Uh, What else did I study? And then towards the end, you finally start to learn a little bit about nutrition. But before you get to that point, you need to know all these fundamental sciences. And so what I always come back to is dietitians are in a part of science and nutrition is a science and not a belief system, as I always say. And that a lot of what we do is grounded in what's often referred to as the basic sciences. And we need to have so much understanding of the human body and physiology uh, and genetics before we can start to think about how nutrition influences each of those uh, states. So I found the undergrad very demanding. There's a lot of hours um, at university, a lot of long practicals. And it was great. I then moved into the master's program from 2016 to 2017. And I really loved how this was a much smaller group of people compared to your mass science subjects at at a university as big as Sydney Uni. And I love that close-knit kind of vibe of being with the same people every day, all day. And as we're going through the master's, which is one year of, you know, in the classroom kind of coursework and then one year of practical. Uh, So six months being your on the job, you know, working in a supervised capacity as a dietitian, often referred to as placement. And another six months of our degree was actually in research. Not all master's courses have this, um, but ours did. So we had to kind of do a mini thesis or like half of your honours year um, in that time. So it's like 50% of an honors kind of thing. So during this time, I think my passion for pediatric or children's nutrition really blossomed. And it was particularly that week that we got to go to the children's hospital at Westmead to get lectured on pediatric nutrition that really cemented that love for children's nutrition, because I really was thinking of learning all about different health conditions and how nutrition can help, things like managing diabetes, managing liver disease, kidney disease, um, all sorts of uh, gastroenterologies, uh, disorders, surgical complications and post-surgical nutrition, learning all these highly, highly clinical nutrition therapies and Whilst I've, I found it all very fascinating because I was very like, I loved learning about health. I felt like, you know, how do we prevent some of the awful experiences in terms of their health? You know, nobody wants to go through, um, you know, a surgery if they don't have to. Nobody wants to suffer with the disease if they don't have to. If it's preventable. And we know nutrition is one of the main ways we can actually prevent a number of diseases. And so, What I was fascinated by was preventative nutrition. And so I thought the best way that we can do preventative health and preventative nutrition, I just thought, well, if we get in earlier, we make great habits amongst young people, amongst children and babies and infants and then adolescents, then they're going to carry those habits for the rest of their life. And then 
if they carry those habits for the rest of their life, then they're less likely to develop some chronic diseases that are related to poor nutrition, right? I felt like that was such a logical and reasonable thought process. And I actually really enjoyed the unique elements of working in pediatrics. Some would say challenges, but I really enjoyed working with parents, working with families. Oftentimes the children that you're working with can't communicate with you. They're, they're too little, they're too young. So you're really working around them to help support them. And I really loved so much of that. And I was very lucky to get placed in a pediatric hospital for my placement, uh, one of my placement terms. And also I ended up doing research at the pediatric hospital as well for my research term there. So I was looking at children's feeding behaviors in relation to young children who've been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And, you know, whilst I knew it might be really hard for me to get a role as a pediatric dietitian, I wanted to give it a try and, you know, try not to be too close-minded and only accept a role that was pediatric inclined. But I really wanted to try to aim towards getting a pediatric role, whether that be in a hospital or a private practice. So yeah, basically I graduated and started the process of trying to find a job pretty much right away. I had been busting for five years to finally be a dietitian. And towards the end of my master's or in my master's years, I started a little blog, um, which was really fun for me. I only just posted it on my personal pages and I started taking food pictures on my personal Instagram account, not very good ones, but just sharing little tips and food ideas and it was a really good way to, for me to learn my content as well because often I would be writing about all the different vitamins and minerals and their roles in the body as I was memorizing them for an exam, but trying to make that more applicable to people who are just stumbling across this and reading it on a blog. And actually some of my blog articles for, you know, how many people I was sharing it with, which was just my personal network at the time, actually did really well. And some of them were getting really good search kind of hits on Google at the time because it was really much easier five, six years ago to yeah, get onto onto the old Google search engine with a blog article. So I was starting to kind of dabble in nutrition communication in a safe and ethical way as a student dietitian. And I knew that when I graduated as well, that I would want to have transition that uh, blog um, and, you know, using my personal platform into something separate and more professional um, in terms of a more professional website and having a separate account. Um, I didn't really intend for that to become a business in the sense of, you know, a private practice or anything like that. Uh, My intent was really just to create and share content because that's what I really loved. And I just wanted to not waste all the blogs and other content that I had created on uh, my other page, but it needed to grow up with me because I'd called it dietitian to be, and I was now a dietitian. So I think it ended up being Feb 2018 that I actually launched The Dietologist, as it's now known. And at the time, I didn't really know, like I wanted to talk about pediatric nutrition, but I had so much imposter syndrome to talk about it because I felt like people were going to say I'm a child myself. Why are you 
oh, are you talking about pediatric nutrition or I hadn't had children myself so therefore why are you talking about children's nutrition but I was I was genuinely so passionate about pediatric nutrition and it does still hold a special place in my heart just FYI but I was I was I was actually pretty decent at it if I if I do say so myself like it was very technical I really lent into the technicalities of it and I loved that it was ever changing as the child grew it was never stagnant those nutritional needs were always changing and that was awesome um, and then you had the complexities of feeding behaviors and family dynamics on top which really challenged that psychology element of my brain as well and so the the dietologist the name a lot of people ask me where that came from so the dietologist is in my mind a combination of the word you know dietitian and psychologist and I'm not a psychologist but a lot of what great dietitians do is counsel and coach people and help them with their thoughts around food and nutrition. And so I wanted to kind of represent that in my brand, that it's more than just the actual nutrition, the what of eating. It's also the how and why that we're eating. And that really was drummed into me from my pediatric experiences. And also it was a homage to uh, my Greek culture. So for those who don't know, my entire family is Greek. And diotologos is the word for dietitian in Greek. And I just really loved how it sounded and thought it would be an awesome name and an awesome kind of legacy to create. So I set off on trying to hunt for a job between late 2017 and early 2018, whilst also trying to get my Instagram up and running, trying to learn about how to make a successful Instagram, trying to build a new website myself. I was working part-time in a different industry, just trying to make money. I went to so applied for so many jobs. I did so many interviews. Sometimes I was, you know, the second best. And don't you just hate it when they tell you that? I know it feels comforting, but it's kind of not. <laughs> and I, through the interview process, like I was applying for hospital jobs, private practice jobs, consulting kind of jobs, like all kinds of jobs. And I, I just want to be a dietitian. I just want to work. I wasn't really interested in starting my own business at this point in time because I just felt I was too inexperienced to do that. And I realized as I was sitting in different interviews in hospitals that the hospital environment actually might not be for me. And it's often the dream that many, many um, students that I, you know, mentor have um, is to be a clinical dietitian. And if that is your dream, go get it, you know. But I thought that was because I, I think it's so attractive because it's stable and it's and it's predictable. Um, but I realized that that lack of continuity of care in that inpatient setting was just not going to be for me. So I ended up stopping applying to hospital jobs and just stuck with, even though I felt really obligated to, and just stuck with private practice and other kind of food industry and, and those kinds of roles. And, you know, if you are listening and you are a newly graduated dietitian or you are going to be graduating soon, like just be prepared. I know it can sometimes feel dire when you hear this over and over again, but there is an element of truth that there are not that many open vacancies as an employed role as a dietitian. And there are so many people graduating more than there is jobs. 
you know, even just in my own cohort, there was 80 people approximately that graduated. It was a little bit more than that when we started. About 80 people. There is about four to five new graduate hospital jobs in the state. And I'm just one of three universities in the state that are pumping out graduates at the time. So it's really tough. But I did in, I think it was Feb to March 2018, land a part-time role at a private practice working in a general capacity and there had never been a dietitian at this physiotherapy clinic before and they wanted to add a dietitian to their team to kind of expand the service and start to build a multidisciplinary team and I would be the first new discipline to be added. So if you want to read between the lines here, basically I got a job but I had no clients to see. So my job was to create the clientele (laughs) and then service those clients. And that took a really long time. It takes a lot of work. Um, I managed their social media. I um, met GPs. I called specialists. I made flyers. I made um, patient handouts. I, I did everything. I dropped business cards off into all different places. I was particularly trying to drum up a little bit of pediatric clientele so I could kind of keep my passion alive. But I would see anybody weight management, uh, diabetes management, cholesterol, IBS, increasing muscle growth. I would go and do talks at gyms at F45, at all different gyms across the local areas that the clinics were located. There was two clinics I was split over. And yeah, towards the end of that year, I started to get a little bit of consistency in my clientele, but it took ages. And especially when you're working part-time, can be additionally challenging to kind of build that momentum as well. And so it was probably three or four months into that role, I then got a second part-time role because basically on the days that I wasn't working at that private practice, I was working on my blog, on my Instagram, on my socials, no, no money being made, obviously, just chipping away, trying to learn more, doing lots of CPD. I was trying to learn about sports nutrition because I thought it was a a physio clinic. I should learn about sport. I then, you know, I looked at everything. I was doing pediatric training. I was doing, I was doing so much different kind of professional development. I, I don't know how many hours I did in that first year, but certainly at least 90 hours of professional development in that first year for sure if not more any webinar I could sign up to I was there and then it was about I think May or June 2018 that I then got a part-time contracting role so I wasn't employed I was a contractor which is a bit different in a multidisciplinary practice far away from my home and also from my other clinics. They wanted to hire a pediatric dietitian to help start to build this multidisciplinary feeding team for children that had a hard time with um, eating and feeding, so fussy eating, picky eating, ARFID or avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. And it was a team of psychologists, an occupational therapist, and then they want to bring me on and a pediatrician on to complement. And so, yeah, I was stoked to get that job. It pretty much felt like my dream job um, at the time. And I got stuck into it. And again, I had to pretty much build up the clientele with the clinic from scratch. And because I was a contractor, basically, if the clients didn't come and they didn't show up or there wasn't enough clients, I wouldn't be getting paid. And so 
I did a lot of work, you know, essentially quote unquote for free, but in reality, it's part of the fee that you're getting paid as a contractor to, yeah, create clients for myself and the clinic and try to keep them around as well in obviously an ethical ethical way. So um, I really love that job. I definitely at this point started to have a bit more of a presence online. I started to focus a little bit more on pregnancy and fertility nutrition and children's nutrition on my Instagram page. I thought maybe I could be the dietitian that you could see from when you're trying to throughout your kid's life and and just wanted to be there for people through that life, st- those life stages. And I was learning more and more about Instagram and Instagram marketing and social media marketing and how to build um, a, a page and how to turn those into clients. And I wasn't, again, I wasn't interested at this stage really in starting my own business. I was trying to get more clients into the existing clinics that I was working at. So I was just trying to post as much as I could. I would post a a feed post on the grid every single day on Instagram. I would spend so much time on Instagram trying to learn how to use it better. And it was probably um, mid to late 2018 that I was doing some reading, reading articles like I always did that I kind of discovered my passion, my, my present day passion for preconception health and fertility nutrition. And you know, when people ask me like, oh, where did your passion come from? It's like, it's a very multi-layered and and hard story for me to articulate because I feel like that lots of seeds have been planted over a long period of time. So for me, I kind of had those seeds planted when I was studying microbiology at university, when I started to understand um, that you know, the way that bacteria is passed between generation to generation can influence health. When I started to learn about epigenetics in genetics, um, when I started to learn about the first 1000 days of life and the Barker's hypothesis um, at uni. And then once I read the Lancet series of the three papers about preconception health and how it should be a public health priority, because the health of our future parents is impacting the health of the next generation and their risk of developing chronic diseases. I was just, it just realigned again with that passion for preventative health and nutrition. And I think as I got deeper into the pediatric work, which I maintained for quite some time, just part-time, that a lot of not a lot or all, but some of what I was seeing with my pediatric clients and the families when it came to feeding issues and concerns, some of it was tracking back into what was going on in pregnancy and what was going on with parents before they became parents in terms of their health, their well-being, their stress, their lifestyles. And so, you know, all these little pieces came into play and I came across this course that I could go to in Melbourne. It was, you know, for me at the time, I didn't really have much money. I was spending most of my money getting to do more professional development. Um, I wasn't making a whole bunch of money because I didn't have consistent clientele. And yeah, it's your first year out. You just a slight nudge up from student budget, really. So 
I came across the courses by Melanie McGrice at Nutrition Plus, the Nutrition Therapy for Fertility and Pregnancy course. And these are now online and I highly recommend them if you have not heard of the courses before by Melanie and her team. They're excellent um, and so much more accessible now that they're online. But at the time, it was an in-person three-day event um, and you fly down and you get to get taught by Melanie McGrice. And I remember just being so awestruck because she was such a role model in the industry. And she, she absolutely will always be that to me. And I know for many other people as well. And she's still uh, is an amazing role model in this industry, I should say. So Mel ran this amazing course and I got to the end of the course and it was a small group of dietitians there, maybe about 20 or 30 people. And there was like a fire under my butt at that point. I was just, why is no one being a fertility dietitian? Why is no one being a pregnancy dietitian? Like, this is like critical, like the amount of impact that we can have on people's ability to create life and support them and guide them and help them, you know, navigate misinformation and alleviate their stress and and be that person for them. And I was really fascinated by fertility and IVF. And as you'll, as I'll talk about in a second, I always had this feeling, I guess you could say, that potentially I might have some troubles conceiving, even as a very, very young person, as a child. I never knew why I didn't have any known infertility in my family that was discussed, but I just had this inkling, I guess you could say. And I never really thought about it too much, but I remember, you know, in the in my final years of uni and throughout uni, I would follow so many families who were vlogging, who were trying to conceive using IVF or who were adopting overseas or exploring embryo adoption, all these different ways that you can grow a family. And I was just fascinated by the science of it as a scientist, but also just the um, humanity element of um, trying to conceive with reproductive technologies and or uh, through adoption. And so that was something I spent a lot of my free time outside of um, (laughs) trying to be a great dietitian, consuming that kind of content. And so it felt like, you know, this was my time. I was passionate. I'd done this course. I felt like I needed to put this knowledge into action. I didn't really see anybody in Sydney you know, really focusing on things like endo and fertility and PCOS and pregnancy. Like there's no one place where, you know, it was safe. Like a lot of people were going to whoever, whichever dietitian, and, you know, maybe getting a good experience, but some people were also getting misinformation about um, their health and nutrition for their specific needs. And so I just wanted to be that safe space for people. And so I started to, you know, talk about it more on my Instagram and angle my channels more towards that kind of content. My blog started to being being more about these types of topics as I learned more. And yeah, I started to read more and more and more about fertility nutrition. And it was towards the end of 2019 that I'd left one of my roles and decided to just see where like my career would take me. I had this opportunity to take a bit of a risk and I thought, "Mm, this might be the time to maybe try and fly solo, even if it's part-time, because I still have that part-time contract role as um, a pediatric dietitian. And so I just started dibble dabbling. It took a lot, like I'm making it sound super easy, but it wasn't. It was 
incredibly slow um, and difficult because it's not like the landscape that we have now. And I know it doesn't sound that long ago, like 2019 is not that long ago, but online, the landscape was completely different. Like seeing a dietitian on Zoom, unless you were like rural, and I even had clients fly in rurally to see me face to face, unless you were rural, nobody would see you on Zoom. Okay, there was no rebates from private health or Medicare to see you on Zoom. There was just no acceptance of telehealth. So I had to have physical presence across multiple offices, across Sydney, market to different doctors and specialists in that area to let them know I was there, what I focused on, and then they wanted to send me high cholesterol still or IBS still, even though that wasn't my specialty area anymore, for example. So it was really hard. I found it really hard. Uh, It was a lot of learning, but I lent into the challenge of trying to do it myself because I realized I had done this process for other businesses before and now it was for me, which meant that if I was able to succeed in even a small capacity, that I would experience the satisfaction and reward of doing that. And so, yeah, I just kind of went at it and 2019 was very slow going, but I started to grow And it was towards the end of 2019 that I received my diagnosis of endometriosis. I had experienced symptoms and suspicions that I had this disease for a number of years prior, but it was really the last six months of 2019 that I had decided it was time to come off the pill, see what was going on with my period and take some action. And it was honestly seeing my clients in clinic that really pushed me over the edge because hearing their stories really empowered me to get help. And so I'm eternally grateful uh, for the work that I do because not only is it my vision and passion and mission and all those things to do what I do. But um, it also personally, I feel like I don't want to say save my life because not uh, probably is a bit too dramatic, but I think saved me a lot of potential additional suffering uh, that I could have absolutely experienced if I had let my endometriosis progress even further. So yeah, I'm forever indebted to the people that I worked with then and that I work with now because they teach me things every day as well. Anyway, back to my career story. (laughs) So it was probably not till the pandemic had hit when I transitioned fully virtual and that was March 20, March 2020. And then I got incredibly busy because I think this was a just an interesting time as a business owner where all the work of trying to, you know, increase my awareness within the local community had started to pay off. And I think at this stage, my Instagram and my social media presence had grown significantly as well. And as a result, I had more, I guess, non-local awareness as well. And so once I transitioned fully online, that kind of opened the door to people feeling more comfortable to come and do consultations because they could just hop on Zoom no matter where they were or in lockdown. It was time to work on their health. And also, sadly, at the time, um, IVF was put on hold for a lot of people or cancelled or some people elected to cancel their fertility treatments, hoping that COVID would blow over in a a minute. Uh, It didn't. Um, But uh, it was a time when 
It was incredibly hard for the fertility community and it felt like there was nothing that they could be doing that was productive for their health and their fertility. And so a lot of, a lot of people turned to working on their nutrition because they couldn't go to acupuncture anymore because it was a face-to-face service. So um, we got really busy in a really short amount of time uh, during that time and that's when I decided to first start a online course or live launch an online course which was the waiting game which I thought I would run once in lockdown maybe twice in lockdown the name was kind of a play on words of you're waiting to get pregnant and you're waiting to go back to being able to conceive and so I created that program to help people, more people, uh, for a smaller fee, um, as well as trying to lighten my one-on-one client load, because at this point, it was hectic in my diary. I was working pretty much seven days a week, uh, pretty much from nine, nine, if I was lucky, sometimes much earlier than that, 9 a.m. till you know, all hours of the night, 11, 12 o'clock, I'd get to bed. Um, So I was working a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, A lot of people don't know, don't see that part of um, trying to grow your business, especially during a busy season. Whilst also I didn't have anything else to do because it was locked down. And so I just lent into the fact that this was an opportunity and I was going to try to make the most of it because I was at a stage in early earlier that year where I had kind of resigned to the fact that I was probably going to need to find a job and scale back the business significantly um, in terms of seeing my own clients because it was just becoming really not financially viable. But yeah, it quickly pivoted uh, in a short amount of time. And yeah, July 2020, I started the endo dietitian um, about six, seven months after my own diagnosis. I wanted to create a separate space for endometriosis nutrition content. I knew some people would be interested to hear about that on the dietologist, but not everybody. And so I wanted to create a separate home for that and a separate set of endometriosis nutrition information and services like all still under the dietologist umbrella, but just in a separate home. And yeah, it's grown probably even faster uh, than the dietologist has. Um, it's it Again, it was just, I started that account really at a time where there were no dietitians talking about endometriosis specifically on Instagram. And so naturally it kind of grew um, very quickly. By late 2020, I realized I was in over my head with the amount of clients that I was trying to help one-on-one. And so I expanded our clinical team and brought on the amazing Kaylee Slater, uh, who is also an accredited practicing dietitian. And she had done the training in fertility and pregnancy, nutrition therapy and nutrition plus as well. And she had been my lovely student intern. And we just gelled so well and she just got it. And so, yeah, she was the first dietitian that we brought on besides me to see clients. And I had a lot of fear around doing that because you're trusting somebody else with a really important part of your business. And so, yeah, I am 
ever, ever so grateful to have her. She has exceeded all expectations that I could have ever had for a team dietitian. And I probably tell her that at least once a week. So she knows. <laughs> Kaylee, you know, you're very appreciated around here. And so in 2021, um, it was kind of a year for us to um, grow and develop more. And um, I started to dabble a bit more into online programs that developed Get Pregnant with Endo in late 2020 and launched it. And I wanted to kind of try to work out ways that I could reach more people in a meaningful way that wasn't just always a one-on-one session. And so yeah, that's, you know, the podcast grew and I mean, the podcast started in 2020, but podcast grew and I was getting just more and more questions and queries and DMs and asks to be involved in dietitian education. So I think it was 2019 and 2020 and 2021, I was invited to speak at Sydney University's Masters of Nutrition program to talk about business in dietetics and social media. And I was doing a bit of tutoring and lecturing. And so naturally, a lot of the students that were there were became more interested in my career and, and what that looked like and wanted advice and help. And then I started to have other dietitians who were thinking about transitioning from general nutrition into fertility nutrition, wanting to reach out to me and ask me how I did it. And I just, there was a lot of interest in, I guess, career or business or niche or whatever you want to call it. And so I started to offer clinical supervision sessions for dietitians online um, where they could just pay for one hour of my time and we could talk about whatever you wanted. So some dietitians use this as, you know, a case study session. So they'll be like, okay, I have this client that have PCOS. This is their blood work. You know, these are their goals. This is what we discussed, but I'm not sure, you know, if these supplements we should consider or, hey, I really want to start seeing some more clients with endometriosis. Can you just run me through the key nutrition strategies for endometriosis management in clients based on ABCDEFG? Or other people wanted more kind of like business slash social media advice, you know, really specific things that I felt like I could help with. I, I, If I don't think I can help, I always refer on. So I started to offer these sessions and I still do, by the way, if you want to, the link will be in the show notes below, or you can just head to the dietologist.com.au forward slash dietitians. And yeah, it was mid last year that I developed the fertility and prenatal supplement training for dietitians masterclass. And that was really inspired by Kaylee when she first came onto the team. And, you know, we were doing express prenatal supplement consults and we're giving really specific bespoke um, supplement advice to our clients in a one-on-one setting. And she was like, okay, but how did you learn how to do this? Like, I've done all the courses. Like, how did you, how did you learn? And honestly, I found it really hard to answer that question because I consumed the industry and the brands and the supplements and I would go to expos and I would read things and I would look at labels and I would make comparison documents and I would do all these things like manually, like manually. If a client mentioned in America that they're taking this particular prenatal and I haven't heard of it, 
I would dedicate 30 minutes after that consultation to looking it up, learning about it. What's it, what's great about it? What's crap about it? What do I, what do I like? What don't I like? And I did, I started to develop what I liked, what I don't like, how different things sit in different people's bodies and all this kind of like nuance that isn't on a nutrition label and isn't really taught uh, and certainly not at university. And so I asked Kaylee, I said, do you feel like this would be valuable to someone who's working in this space like you? What do you think? And she was like, yes, you need to do this. And so I ran the training, uh, the three-hour live masterclass came with a prenatal supplement e-guide for dietitians. I also included a PCOS and endometriosis supplement e-guide for dietitians. And I went through as much as I could in three hours, probably too much, that was both theoretical and practical to help dietitians build their confidence when it comes to recommending fertility and prenatal supplements to their clients. Because what I think is so important is that we become, you know, develop our expertise in this area more because I do think that a lot of people are given very basic advice by their medical practitioners, which is understandable because they don't study nutrition. So we do not hold that against anybody. But then what people are doing is they're ending up in the pharmacy or ending up online scrolling or searching the shelves for something, but they don't know what they're looking for. They don't know what's right for them. And then they take it and then they feel nauseous and they don't know why. And so I wanted to help equip dietitians so we could elevate all of us in the industry to a higher standard when it comes to providing this kind of level of detail of advice to enhance your service. And also so I, as an individual, can impact more people. I mean, myself and Kaylee can only see so many clients in a week. But, you know, that really limits our, our kind of impact one-on-one. But I was able to help educate over 25 dietitians last year on this topic. And if 25 dietitians each see 10 clients in fertility a week, I'm helping an additional 250 people a week. That's insane that kind of level of impact. And so that's why I wanted to run it and that's why we'll be running it again. So if you want your tickets and save your spot, if you're a dietitian and you want to upgrade your confidence and knowledge about all things fertility and prenatal supplements and you want to find out what's included and all the deets, I'll leave the link in the show notes for you below. Go and check it out. So where to from here? There's lots going on as there always is, but really the core of what I do is con- continuing to strive to be an innovator in this space, deliver high quality nutrition care to those who are facing fertility and reproductive health concerns, support my team, you know, create an industry of fertility dietitians who are knowledgeable and compassionate and that I can impact more people through amazing dietitians who also are just as passionate about this work. So that is a little summary today. I've left off like a million and one things, but it's kind of hard to summarize even five years in 50 minutes I've been talking for. So 10 minutes for every year, prox. Eh, Not too bad. But I hope this was useful for any of you listening who are aspiring dietitians, nutritionists, or 
you know, even if you are someone who isn't any of those things, but just were interested in my story, then this is for you. I've recently received the most honestly, like one of the best messages. Like I get a lot of amazing messages, people sharing their amazing babies with us and pregnancy and, you know, all these beautiful messages. But I had one person who um, had taken the waiting game back in April, 2020, when the first time I launched it. And um, she ended up having her beautiful baby and she sent me a message and she said, I want to know how you do what you do now because I think I want to become like a fertility dietitian or a fertility nutritionist now because of the impact that this has all had on my life. And I was just baffled by that, that, you know, that I could even have a very small role to play in helping somebody make this their potential future career. So I think I'll leave it there on that note. Thank you so much for listening. If you got to the end of this episode, can you send me a DM on Instagram? Because I just want to give you a round of applause. So send me a DM on Instagram if you got to the end at the underscore dietologist and maybe our code will be, hmm, okay, DM me at pineapple emoji if you made it to this part of the podcast and I will know that that is what is up when I get a whole bunch of pineapples in my inbox (laughs) when this goes live. Don't forget to share this maybe with somebody who is thinking about a career in nutrition or dietetics. And I will be back to regular programming next week with another new episode. Please leave a rating and review, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff as well. And I'll catch you then. Bye. (laughs) 